0: Go to John, chapter seventeen. This morning we are going to jump right back into our series of one. Now, most people here have uh, probably seen the movie The Wizard of Oz. I show of hands. How many of you have seen The Wizard of Oz? Okay, that's pretty much right. Everybody has seen The Wizard of Oz. That Dorothy and Ten Man, Scarecrow, and the Cowardly Lion. The first time they encountered the Wizard of Oz, they were in awe. They, they were really kind of scared uh, because of what they were seeing. Now, had it not been for Toto, they would have never realized that the great and powerful Oz was nothing more than a mortal man. And the reality is, sometimes we need God to pull the curtain back on our life and to reveal the truth about who we are. Because it's really easy for us to convince ourselves that we're right with God and that everything's, you know, just fine, when in reality it's nothing more than us trying to be the great and powerful eyes. But we want to ask God to reveal something to us this morning. And that is this. Lord, are we building our life on the rock? Or are we building our foundation on sinking sand? See, the one big thing this morning is simply this. That biblical unity is spirit-empowered and proof that we belong to God. So let's look at it together here. I'm going to start in verse 17. And ask if you would, go ahead, stand as we honor the reading of God's word. John chapter 17, beginning in the 17th verse, it says this. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and thou in me, and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them as thou hast loved me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for your word. Lord, as we continue to talk uh, about biblical unity, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, the one big thing is very simply this, that biblical unity is spirit-empowered and is proof that we belong to God. Now, this is the second part of what is biblical unity uh, message, and we started it on January 6th. And so if you missed that one or you just want a quick recap, you can find it a couple of different ways. You, uh, you can go to the iTunes store or SoundCloud and find us. Um, Or if you just want the old fashioned CD, that's fine. We'd love to give you a copy of it as well. But what we want to look at this morning is verses 17 to 23 and finally piecing together what is biblical unity. The first part of that uh, message in verses 11 to 16, what we learned was this that biblical unity is a picture of the Trinity and it's only possible if we have a relationship with Jesus. And so we need to evaluate our life and we need to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit so as we pick it up here in John 17 we're going to start in the 17th verse and give you point number three of what is biblical unity and it is this it is based on God's truth look there in verse 17 Jesus says sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth Now, what has happened over the course of 20, 30 years is people have started going, oh, well, you know, we don't really get into doctrine. We just want to love people. Now, at face value, that sounds good. But you can't have love without truth. And we have to understand what truth is. See, the word sanctify here means to set them apart. What differentiates a believer from a non-believer is God's truth. And our acceptance or our rejection of that truth. Uh, two weeks ago now, I asked the question, how many UVA fans we have here? How many Hokie fans? How many Redskin? How many Cowboy fans we have here? And, and there were hands going up all over the place. And so if I was to ask you, which team is the best? Well, you would have your opinion, okay, but it's just that. It's an opinion. Why is it an opinion? Because it is based on subjective criteria. It's what matters to you. It's the same as, you know, another sports conversation. Who is the greatest of all time, whether it's baseball, basketball, football. Everybody's got this person is the greatest of all time. They're the GOAT. But again, it's subjective because you are selecting the criteria It's okay to have opinions. That's not a problem. But be honest, they are opinions, not truth. I could ask it kind of this way. We'll bring it into the church for a moment. Okay? No right or wrong answers here. Who here loves singing the psalms? Okay? Who here likes singing hymns? All right, who here prefers contemporary? Okay, now here's the thing. Different hands went up at different times, okay? Now watch what happens when I ask this question or these questions, all right? How many people here believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God? Ooh, okay. How many people here believe that all humans have sin and come short of the glory of God? Okay. How many people here believe that Jesus came to this earth To die on the cross as the only way that sinners could be saved. How many people believe that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone in Jesus? Now, did you see what happened? People who had a preference on music style disagreed. But when we came to biblical truths, there was unity. And this is what we want to focus. This is what it means to keep the main thing the main thing. You can have your personal preference. That's cool. We're all going to look at things and do things differently. That's fine. As long as we keep the main doctrinal truths the same. That's what gives us the unity. This is what Jesus died for in our life. Amos chapter 3 teaches that without truth there can be no unity. Now, what's the difference between music style and doctrine? Very, very simple. Music style changes because it's a personal preference. Doctrine is as eternal as God is. And so this is where we want to live and stay. Because in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Do two walk together unless they have first agreed. And then in verse 7 he says, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret, that's truth, to his servant, the prophets. See, when God reveals truth, he does it to reveal himself so that we will be one. And this is what is vital for you and I to understand, that truth doesn't change. It's why the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 5, but what are those who call evil good and good evil? We must base our life in unity is based on God's truth. Again, it's okay if you have different opinions on other things as long as we have the core convictions of what Scripture teaches The way I I try to look at it and, and, you know, I get to talk with the the worship team and and, uh, the deacons and others. Here's my heart. I want us to pray the word, sing the word, preach the word. Because that's going to give us unity. Okay? That's the the beauty of it. But if you and I are going to be one, as Jesus says three different times in this text, he wants us to be. If we're going to be one, it's going to have to be based on God's truth. And just like God, his truth is eternal. But there's a fourth thing for biblical unity, and it is this. It is a witness to the world. Look at what Jesus prays in verse 21 with me, please. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. See, the unity of the body is proof of who Jesus is, what he came to do, and the power that Jesus possesses. If you and I were to go to the last book of the Bible there in Revelation, we would read chapter 7. We get a picture of the church in Revelation 7. Now, what does it say? Well, it says that people from all nations, kindreds, peoples, And tongues stood before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hand, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. I want you to know, church, that the gospel and God Himself are so powerful that our salvation is so life altering that it unites people from all walks of life. Because regardless of male or female, regardless of what race you are, regardless of your education, regardless of your financial status, you are mankind who has fallen short of the glory of God. And we need a savior whose name is Jesus. This is the the truth of the gospel. That we are lost we are dead in our sins but jesus came to make us alive only the gospel can unite people together i mean have you seen this stuff going on around washington now on some things those people agree but in others they disagree there's no unity whatsoever why because none of what's happening there is based on the gospel That is why I will always champion from this pulpit and any other pulpit I stand in this very simple fact. The only hope for America is for the church to preach the glory of God, the holiness of God, the exceeding sinfulness of sin. That our hope can be built on nothing less or more than the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the answer for what we see. That makes us one, as we sang earlier this morning. See, one day, all those people that John was writing about, one day, all those people are going to be gathered around the throne. And they're going to be worshiping the one God who made everyone and who died for everyone. We don't want to just want to talk about that. We don't want to just look forward to that day. We want to live in that day. Listen to what Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35. He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. By this, all the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, I I want to pause for a moment and talk about why did Jesus say a new commandment I give to you? Because the command to love others isn't new. But Jesus gave a new standard right there. See, in Matthew 22, the religious leaders of his day came up to him, and one of them, wanting to test Jesus, said, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, what does the Scripture say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so Jesus, in response to that question, said, You can sum up the Old Testament law in two commandments. Love God and love others. But Jesus gave a new standard, a higher standard for his disciples. That's you and I. Listen to what he says. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Now the basis of love isn't, well, I'm going to treat people the way I want to be treated. The basis and standard of love, according to Jesus for his disciples, was this. You will love other people just like Jesus loves you. Now what does that mean? Well, the love of Jesus is humility, it is service, and it is sacrificial. In humility, we must understand that we are not better than anybody else, that we need one another. And I am not to lord authority over you. Rather, I am to serve you. And I am to sacrifice my wants and my wishes for you. This is what the love of Christ does. And the number one place it has to start Is between husbands and wives. Husbands and wives in here, you are the greatest proclaimer of the gospel that God has given us. If you love one another, humility, we could throw the word submission and sacrifice. Think about it. In humility, Jesus left the glories of heaven To come to this sinful world. In submission to his father's will. Jesus died on the cross. Not for a thing he did. But for everything you and I ever did. And he sacrificed his life. So that you and I could be forgiven. And have a relationship with him. That is what love looks like. But it's not the world. It's not the love the world shows is it? The world's definition of love is, what have you done for me lately? The world's definition of love is, well, as long as you meet my needs and make me happy, well, I'll keep you around. But the very minute you no longer serve my purpose, I'm going to go find somebody else. But that's the exact opposite of the call that God has given to us. That we are to, in humility, submit ourselves to God and serve one another and sacrifice for one another. And when the world sees that, they will see something vastly different than what they experience in life. And you know what that presents you and I? An opportunity to share the gospel. When a church operates in biblical unity, it is a sermon preached on the power and the glory of God and the gospel it gives us an opportunity to point others to Jesus and so if you're struggling to love a brother or sister in Christ that says more about you and your heart than it does them but how do we live this out I want to give you two things on the bottom of your outline there First one would says, "Base your life on truth." Every person views the world and interprets things around them by a certain set of criteria. Now the big, fancy word for that is a worldview. Every person here has a worldview. You see and interpret things around you based on your beliefs. But not only do you judge the world based on your beliefs, but you also relate to God based on your beliefs. I want to give you just a couple of examples. Let's say you grew up in a home where mom or dad, maybe both, were very authoritarian. They didn't show a lot of affection. There weren't a lot of hugs. You didn't hear I love you a whole lot. But if you stepped out of line, they were swift with their discipline. Now you've grown up. Those people view and behave in one of two ways, okay? Either A, they become authoritarian because, again, monkey see, monkey do. Or they grow up to be people pleasers. They want somebody to love them so much, they're so terrified of stepping out of line that they will do whatever they can, including deny themselves and who they are, just to make you happy. Now, how do they relate to God? Well, again, in one of two ways. They either try to manipulate God or they try to work, 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 and work trying to earn their way into heaven. Because they had to work to please their earthly parents so they think, well, I have to work to make God happy. If that's you this morning, can I just go ahead and share something with you? You cannot make God love you more than he already does. If you never sang another song, played another song, preached another sermon, or whatever it is you do, God would still love you the same. How do I know that? I'm glad you asked. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love to us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't start loving me when I started getting it right. Because if he did, he still wouldn't love me. Or you might view God as angry and vindictive, just waiting for you to step out of line so he can spank you. That's one worldview. Let me give you another worldview. If you grew up in an abusive relationship or re- abusive home, those adults typically grow up, they struggle to form meaningful relationships. Relationships. They're always skeptical, believing somebody is trying to use them. And so as they grow up, they either become a manipulator and user themselves, or again, they try to change themselves to make everybody else happy. This is probably one that we see in young girls the most. They're so unsure of themselves, they're so unsure that their parents love them, that they want to change themselves to make another boy love them because if somebody would just show me that they love me then I would be good enough. And it sends them down a road of trying to work to earn everybody else's love and never getting it. But how do they typically view God? They struggle to believe that God could truly love them without wanting to use them. They, they Sometimes grow up to go, you know what? I'm going to get you before you get me. And so they become this, this person who tries to turn God into a genie and a lamp. You just rub him and you bring him out when you need him, but hey, I don't need you, so go over there. I guarantee you there's some here this morning that are right there as well. What about an atheist worldview? Well, since an atheist doesn't believe that God exists, they don't believe in heaven and hell. They don't believe life after death. So they view everything in the world, including people, as an end to satisfy themselves. So they go and they do whatever they want, going, there's no eternity, so there's no consequences to my decisions. You know the sad thing, the thing that really kills me? Uh, There are a lot of Christians who live in atheistic worldview. You know, I've seen so many times that the phrase, you know, you only live once. Man, that's an atheistic worldview right there. That's saying, I'm going to live and then I'm going to die and that's that. No, that's just the beginning of what's to come. But what about a a Christian's worldview? Well, the Christian is going to operate on the truths of Scripture. Things such as that God created everything and that we have been called to manage everything the resources for God's glory and our good. A Christian worldview is going to say that there's no possible way I can ever be good enough or do enough good works for God to accept me and to save me. Their relationships with other people are going to be based on love, grace, and mercy and forgiveness. Why? Because that's what they've experienced from Jesus himself. A Christian worldview is going to say, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is life after death. And so I want to store up treasures in heaven instead of treasures here on this earth. Hopefully I've shown it even slightly, this truth, that what you believe will dictate how you behave. So let me ask you something. If somebody who didn't know you before was to follow you around for 24 hours and they were to listen to what you say and observe how you live, would they know that you are a child of God? Maybe you're going, well, what's truth? You say, base your life on truth. Well, I'm not going to tell you what I believe because I'm going to share what I believe because of what God said. Listen John 14. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. What is truth? Jesus is truth. If Jesus said it, it's true. And by the way, because Jesus is God, he said it all from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. So what is truth? God's word. Base your life on the principles of scripture and not your own thoughts and opinions. See, we as humans, though we've been created in the image of God, we have become so marred by the sin nature that we can rationalize and justify sinful actions. We'll go so far as to say, well, God's not really upset about that. What part of thou shalt not don't we understand? We've got to base our life on the truth. What is going to separate a church or a believer from the rest of the world is this, that we will live and operate. We will make decisions based on the word of God, not public opinion or cultural trends. We can't give up an inch because the devil will take a mile. There's another way that you and I need to live this out. And it's vital for our witness. And it is this. Be a good witness. Remember what Jesus said. By this loving one another, the whole world will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. Which means this. Before people will listen to what we say, they will watch how we live they will see how we treat one another and they will form an opinion based on what they see now i'm not saying that you're going to get along with every person i don't i maybe i'm the only person here but there's sometimes that i think something and then in about a minute later i'm like no I, i don't really agree with that Anybody else disagree with their own thoughts? All right, y'all are laughing, so that's good. I mean, there, there are times I will do something I'm like, "What in the world did you do that for? That was dumb. I mean, I sometimes you're going to have disagreements. Yo know, in marriage man, marriage is hard. Shoze. Sometimes you're going to have intense moments of fellowship. Y'all call those fights. But how you react in those moments will tell your spouse, your children, and the world who Jesus is to you. Before people know our political affiliation, before they know our favorite Uh, hobbies, or sports teams, or whatever. They must know who Jesus is to us. They ought to, when they see us coming, they go, "Uh uh-oh. There comes somebody who's going to tell me about Jesus. Who's going to brag on how good God is? See, church, I don't believe that our nation is turned off to the gospel. I believe our nation is starving for the gospel right now. But we gotta stop shooting ourselves in the foot. We gotta start getting on our knees. We gotta start getting in the book. And we gotta start praying that the Holy Spirit helps us live this out. People need Jesus. And we don't want to stand in their way. And we don't want them tripping over us on their way to Jesus. See, every person here, every moment of every day, you carry two imaginary buckets. One bucket's got gas and the other's got water. And what you say, what I say will either fan the flames of division and hatred or it will extinguish them. There's a new song out, I think it's by Casting Crowns. And there's a line in it that I absolutely love. At the end of my life, I don't want people to talk about me, only Jesus. not about what I do. It's not about what I've done. It's about who Jesus is and what he's done. See, Matthew 5, 5, 16 says this, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify your Father who is in heaven. So I just want to ask you a question as we close this morning. Who is your life pointing others to? Is it pointing people to Jesus or is it pointing them to you? Would you stand as we're going to pray together?